Merry Christmas. It's okay to say that still. We're still in Christmas tide, so uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year coming up. Um, my name is Brent, in case you didn't know, and uh, I am one of the pastors on staff here at Park Church. Uh, I am actually uh, the oldest elder and pastor. Uh -huh. I am, believe it or not, I am even older than David Hubbard. Uh, <clears throat> so that gives me the right, the privilege, the responsibility to bring uh, a word, a pastoral word to you this morning. You might remember that I did this a year ago, and I wanted to say last year, but it was actually this year. It was January 1st of this year, and now I have the opportunity to stand again before you and uh, give a word uh, of encouragement to you here on this last day of the year as we look forward uh, to going into the new year. And I, I have to say, I have to be real honest about this, uh, that the real reason that I am here and not Gary is that Gary has a hard time saying anything within 15 minutes of time. <laughs> so, amen? Yeah. yeah. So I will try to keep it brief. And uh, you might pray for me. I've had a cold all week. I've been coughing. And uh, if I start on a coughing jag, it might last for a minute or two. So hopefully that won't happen. Be praying that that won't happen. <clears throat> Let's pray before we get started. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and for the truth that we find there. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in these pages and that you speak to us with words of wisdom and life. Thank you that you have given us the knowledge of your son Jesus and what you have done for us through him. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would work in the minds and the hearts of those who are listening that we might all be brought to a better understanding of just how great is your love for us. And I pray, Father, that the end result of our time would be transformation, that we would be changed and would, would continue to be changed into the likeness of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to the Thessalonians these words, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. A little while later in Paul's ministry, actually while he was under house arrest in Rome, he wrote similarly to the church in Ephesus, let not corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Continuing this theme, the writer of Hebrews urged his readers to exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Elsewhere he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, 
as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Obviously, the biblical writers understood well the need for encouragement, and for good reason. It was and is, I believe, an absolute necessity for the health of the church. And I doubt that there have been any great achievements in the name of Jesus Christ, any real display of charity and generosity, any example of heroic perseverance, or any demonstration of courage and sacrifice that has been made or ever will be made without the encouragement and exhortation of someone. Maybe someone who will forever remain anonymous and known only in the heavenly realms. Encouragement is more than just saying, good job, and a two thumbs up emoji. It is more than a pat on the back and an attaboy. It is much more than a cliche on how everything is going to be okay. Encouragement, real encouragement is thoughtful, prayerful, and heartfelt. It is not generic, but specific to the occasion. Encouragement is like water to the soul because it makes everything grow. It is the ligaments and tendons that hold together the body of Christ. One heart reaching out to another to express worth and value. Now, some of you are quite gifted encouragers, and I, along with many others in the body, have benefited greatly from your words and your prayers. I believe there is something supernatural in the best encouragement, but I also believe that all it really takes is just a little thought, a little care, a little love, and I hope to encourage you today as a body of believers, as my family of spiritual believers, in the best kind of way, not with any words of my own, which would be a feeble attempt to encourage, but with the words of life that we find in Scripture. Now first, I know that for many of you, it is entirely possible that you have escaped major loss and disappointment in your life, and that life has gone well for you in the brief time that you have been on earth. The idea of being encouraged may seem even a little unnecessary to you since everything is going so well. Your encouragement comes in the form of an exhortation to continue in your faith, to be stirred up to love and good works. Let us not grow weary of doing good, Paul says in Galatians, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those the household of faith. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Paul said, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all the lawlessness 
and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And we are reminded in Ephesians that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If life has been good and relatively free from trials and tribulations, praise the Lord. Take advantage of this season in your life when you have the strength and the stamina and the energy and the enthusiasm to do the work that, call, that God has called you to. But know that it probably won't always be so. Prepare yourself for the eventuality that hard things do happen in life. And in his infinite wisdom, God may call you to a more difficult season, one fraught with pain and suffering and loss. And remember that this season is not to be feared, that it may be the most transformative time of growth you could ever hope for. God does his best work in the storms of life. Now for many of us, encouragement comes in the call to persevere. Even if all is well in your world, if no major catastrophe has occurred, no major upheaval, loss, or disappointment, there can still be an unsettling sense that something is amiss. There is the monotonous routine of daily life, the dissatisfaction with one's station in life, the constant worry and fatigue of raising the family, the drudgery of an unfulfilling career, the unmet expectations and disappointments that sometimes occur in married life. There are health issues, financial problems, and the list goes on. I believe that most, if not all of us, can lay claim to at least one of these on the list. The toll adds up over the years and can gradually erode the joy and the hope that we know should be ours in Christ if only we had the energy to find it. To all of those, I offer these words of life in the hope that you can find divine meaning and purpose in your daily struggles. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and protector of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Paul says, we do not lose heart, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are, seen, are unseen are eternal. In Romans, we read not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And in James, my favorite, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you discouraged? Are you tired and worn? Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Apostle Paul helps us understand at least some of the reason that we do suffer, some meaning, some purpose in our suffering. <clears throat> in his church to the Corinthians, uh, in his letter to the church in Corinthians, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in, our, in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So I want to encourage you to share with one another the burdens, the trials of life, that maybe have affected your walk with Jesus. Receive comfort from the Lord and share that comfort with others because you never know who's struggling. You never know who is suffering, who is going through something that's something, uh, something you might have gone through that you can help them with. Finally, as we look back over the past year, we know that several in our family have endured great hardship and suffered great loss. The death of a parent, the death of a spouse, a sibling, a child, a friend, many miscarriages, 
Others have lost relationships through divorce, through fractured relationships brought on by personal strife and acrimony. And I say this reluctantly, but I believe truthfully that there is more than a fair chance of others in our midst experiencing similar tragedy and heartache in the coming year. That is not a prediction or a prophetic word of any kind, but I do know that as we grow in number and as our demographics in this church age, the probability for those inevitable trials and tribulations will increase. And the fact is, we will all eventually experience a loss so great that it will threaten to undo us, such is the nature of life and our mortality. So for those who are suffering or will suffer in the most extreme of situations, I can only repeat the words we find in Scripture to help assuage the grief that can sometimes be too heavy to carry. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The familiar psalm, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For those who have grieved and are still in that process, please know this, that Jesus suffered, that he suffered precisely to know your suffering, and that he suffered to identify with all of us who suffer. Again in Hebrews, it was fitting that he, whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, and that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able 
to help those who are being tempted. When hope seems just like a distant dream, when life simply doesn't make sense anymore, remember this, above all else, God's amazing, amazing love. It is the best salve, the best treatment, the best therapy for the discouraged and the brokenhearted. In C.S. Lewis's preface to his book, The Problem of Pain, he says that he is convicted of this, that when pain is to be born, a little courage helps more than much knowledge. A little human sympathy more than much courage and the least tincture of the love of God more than all. Do you want to be encouraged? Do you want to finally find peace and happiness and comfort? Do you want to encourage others when you don't have the right words to ask or to speak? Then pray Paul's prayer when he prayed for the Ephesians that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us, for calling us to yourself through your Son that we might be reconciled to you. Father, I thank you for the great encouragement we receive in your word, for the tenderness and compassion you have for us. And Father, help us, remind us, encourage us to turn to you in our time of need because you want nothing more than to love us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.